Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend, Mr. Ubius. Uh, Mr. Ubius, you've gotten back in the classroom, so I'm using your, your formal title, if that's all right. Most of my students can't pronounce my name. They just call me Mr. That's fair. Good job for them. How, how goes back-to-school life, Christian? Day one was, was not fun. Day one was, I got to school late. All these parents making so much traffic, taking their kids to school. Yeah, come on, parents. <laughs> Let them walk. Day two was not bad. Day two was not bad. So Back in the saddle, teaching the kids math. You're killing it. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know this. But uh, we're we're trying, we're failing, but we're trying. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't say failure, Christian. I don't know. In case any of your wonderful students listen to this podcast, my perhaps. students don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> if there's anyone out there who's in Christian's class and you listen to this podcast, you have my full permission to just make fun of him tomorrow. I don't know. He's he's counting you out. But Christian. I can send them to the principal's office. I guess you could do that. <laughs> We're not at work. We're at work no longer. We're here in Cinema Drip Studios, ready for another glorious recording. I was looking forward to this week. We're talking about a much smaller movie, but it's one that's been on my radar for a while, and that movie is Fast Color, uh, directed by Julia Hart. Had you heard of this movie, or did I introduce it to you? Did you have any connection to it? You introduced it to me blessed have you done or watched any of julia hart's movies before i watched i'm your woman my guy that's it <laughs> i didn't know that you would also watch that i know it was on my top 20 list from last year but i'm glad you checked it out so i guess going into this movie what were your expectations i can't really remember how you felt about i'm your woman i liked i'm your woman but that was kind of it I, I i thought it was fine it um Julia Hart is definitely an interesting director. She's very almost Sofia Coppola-ish in terms of mutedness. And she has a very gentle touch, a very silent touch when it comes to her movies, which I'm unfamiliar with in the sense of I'm not used to directors doing that, but it's not bad. No, not at all. Definitely a different speed of movie, especially after a movie like Deep Impact, which... <laughs> on the spectrum of of small quiet to large bombastic it's it's not all the way to large bombastic when you compare it to armageddon like i was doing last week it's just not a full-blown action movie it's definitely got a little more sensitivity to it but even so fast color is still is pared down from that and that we have a much smaller cast much quieter atmosphere stronger characters because of it all as well so i'm looking forward to diving into the review and, and seeing more about how you felt and what you thought about this movie, if you would recommend it to the listeners. So we can dive into the details here on Fast Color. Like we mentioned, directed by Julia Hart, her second feature after her debut film, Miss Stevens, in 2016, which I want to check out because it stars uh, Timothy Chalamet before his breakout and Lily Reinhart, who was in Riverdale. <laughs> For all you Riverdale heads out there. Do we have Riverdale fans? Uh, I, oh, I listen to this podcast. <laughs> There's a chance. I, I once was. Oh, uh, Emily Baker. Emily Baker. The great Emily Baker, two time guest upon this very podcast. Although she, like, hate watches it. Yeah, that's the only way to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Riverdale is, is absurd. Uh, anyway, 
But this was... You're absurd. I am absurd. Her second movie. She wrote the screenplay with uh, her producer and husband, Jordan Horowitz, who most folks would know from his speech on the stage during the Oscars when La La Land did not, in fact, win Best Picture. He got to be the one to announce that it was Moonlight that won that year. He, he helped to produce La La Land, and they have collaborated on, I'm not sure if all of her movies, but most of her movies, both in a writing and producing capacity. And it stars Gugum Batha-Ra, who most people would recognize now from Loki, where she was Judge Renslayer, among other things. She's a known quantity. Okay, okay. You were mad at me. I was mad at you. <laughs> because I did not like Gugum Batha-Ra in Loki. You didn't just dislike her. <laughs> and here's the thing. Watching her here, I maintain that because she's actually a solid actress. And I think now it was just a directorial thing in Loki that made her not work. Interesting. Maybe maybe if we ever have some more Cinema Drip Marvel TV show related content, which isn't normally our lane, but we could dive it's in. It's coming. That, that you know it's goes. coming. Oh, oh, wink, wink. Stay tuned, audience. That, oh. was, that, was, that was so bad. That was so, I did not like what you just did. <laughs> We have very, we have very different personas on this podcast, I've come to realize, because I try to be sort of like a newscaster and like put on a little bit of a smarty pants vibe and you know, I got my I got my, my suit and tie, I'm trying to be professional for the listeners, and you're just your normal self and that's how we engage on this show. And so I try to do all my stupid wink wink jokes and you call me out for it, which I, I think adds to our appeal. What do you think? I think you should keep on going with this so that we can edit this podcast down to a reasonable time. <laughs> ah, if only if only our listeners could see the behind the scenes for this show. Uh, alongside Gugu Mbatha-Ra, we have Lorraine Toussaint and Sunia Sidney playing members of her family, in addition to Christopher Denham and David Strathairn in supporting roles. Christian, I do want to I do want to share that this movie was shot by a guy named Michael Fiwinari. Are you familiar with any of his work? As a director of the To All the Boys sequels. <laughs> wait, he directed... Wait, did he direct the first one? No. The first one's the only good one. In, indeed it is. Indeed it is. Uh, so, for all of you To All the Boys fans out there... Okay. In, in my defense, I've only seen like 40 minutes of the second one. So maybe the last 40 minutes of it are ma- is a masterpiece. Uh, I will tell you it is not. <laughs> the second one is quite bad. The third one's a little bit better, but the first one is the only good one. I can't believe you haven't seen the Kissing Booth franchise. I have not seen the Kissing Booth franchise. Coming to a blend of the month near you. We'll no, it, one, no, it's not. No, one it's not. Each week. No, it, it is not coming anywhere. Uh, last last couple of collaborators will shout out because I often shout out the editors and the composers. We have Martin Pensa editing and Rob Simonson doing the music. So, Fast Color, definitely a much smaller movie compared to others we've discussed on the show. Had its debut at South By in, in March of 2018. Didn't hit theaters until April of 2019. So, long gestating. Did it hit theaters or did it hit, like, the occasional art house theater? Well, those are still theaters, Christian. <laughs> I'm saying, it, it, wide release, sure, but... No, not a wide release at all. Uh, yeah. yeah, it it came out in fr- precious few theaters. The the good folks at Wikipedia tell us that this movie made less than eighty thousand dollars at the box office, which is unfortunate because it's normally it's true bombs that make <laughs> sub even a hundred thousand dollars at the box office, or movies that are so so small that that is like a win because they were made for fifteen bucks and and lunch, but. 
I like lunch. For, for a movie directed by someone who had a successful first film, produced by her Oscar-nominated husband, and starring known quantities, I was surprised that this movie made so little money. But definitely do what you can to support it, because it is available on Hulu. And that is part of why we picked it. You can check it out there. I think my movie was made for 6000 I think it was between five and 8000 Really? Yes. I don't know where the budget went. <laughs> you didn't see a lick of that. I did not see any of the budget. Yeah, where's your, your writer's fee? I And there's nothing about the budget here, although I do imagine it was not made for too much money. There are precious few sets, a small cast. Visual effects. But the visual Had effects. Done, gotten some money. <laughs> I imagine it is one of those situations where if the budget was $100,000, 80000 of it went to visual effects, and Julie Hart was like, hey, famous actors who want to be in this movie, would you do it for maybe not that much money? And they were like, heck yeah, because it was a great script. Uh, any other details you want to hit, Christian, before we we dive into this to some fun facts, our favorite portion of every show? No, no. Uh, any details I will cover in fun facts. Okay. Well, as always, we like to share some fun facts about these movies, and not a ton for Fast Color, obviously, being a, a lesser-known movie, so hopefully the, the legend of Fast Color can grow. But uh, one thing that I thought was fun was there is a song that is played a couple times during this movie called Germ-Free Adolescence by the band X-Ray Specs, who is not a band I was familiar with, but I think it plays into some of Gugu Mothra's character. Her character's name is Ruth, so it plays into Ruth's development, mentioning her, her punk spirit when she was younger. And they chose that song intentionally, naturally, and the reason was Gugu Mothra is a biracial English actress, the lead singer of X-Ray Specs is also a British biracial woman. So, some some connection there when you look deeper, thinking for her character, obviously she would have connected with, with someone like that, especially as, you know, also looking for punk music. So there you go, a little, little fun fact about germ-free adolescence. Uh, my first thing is just that, so Julia Hart, Jordan Horowitz, as we said before, they're married, and they wrote the film as a response to becoming parents. Apparently the quote that comes up is, we were just very overwhelmed by the feeling of strength and power that we had never felt before. They feel parents and mothers in particular are heroic figures. So that was kind of the starting point, apparently, from which the the movie just stated from. Nice. <laughs> just like a baby. Uh, so many great movies have been made because the filmmaker became a parent, I feel. Nothing is coming to mind but I feel so like many a, great movies. So many great movies. I don't remember any. <laughs> I just feel like that's a common interview. I don't even thing. like movies. Like, you know, Mr. Whoever, why'd you make this movie? And he's like, oh, I had a daughter and it changed my life. And we're like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but I, that's a... a it's Rabbit still... Hole. Well, the play, which got turned into a movie. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is cool to see that they, had, they worked on the screenplay together, obviously, were able to... To collaborate both as filmmakers obviously but also as parents of the same child that's cool uh the only other fun fact i wanted to share is that this movie is set during a drought and unfortunately for them all of the vegetation in the area that they were shooting bloomed early so they thought they were going to catch it when nothing was in bloom but they actually had to go back and use cg to de-bloom a bunch of the plants <laughs> So I imagine the VFX budget already taking up a decent portion <laughs> took up even more because they had to go fix the plants, which is 
is too unfortunate. <laughs> but what what can you do? Uh, okay, so the only thing that I'm going to the only thing I have to add is that they're developing this movie into a television series, which is interesting to me in in how they want to flesh out the characters, what the fate of this care these characters means. Uh, it's something that I would check out. It is something that I would check out. Uh, and and maybe I'll throw in some caveats, but we'll get into those later. Yeah, we, we can talk about that more as we get to discuss the ending of this movie, because I think it is, it, it's sealed, it, it's tied off with a bow, but it definitely leaves some things open-ended that they could probably cover in a TV show. So keep listening, folks, because we're about to get to our review, and we'll chat more about that at the end. But Christian, as always, we like to start our reviews here with an opening question just to help guide the conversation. So here's my question for you. Obviously, science fiction is a genre that can... Science fiction is a genre. (sighs) Yes. (laughs) Question solved. Anyway, the review. Just kidding. Science fiction as a genre is, is so expansive. You have space operas like Star Wars and Star Trek where people are flying around distant galaxies, running into aliens. You have horror science fiction you have kitty and family science fiction i guess that's star wars still you just have so many different things that you can do with sci-fi you can go for the big budget action movie you can go traveling across worlds and creating everything in visual effects or hokey costumes or you can do something very very small bring sci-fi to earth and not go beyond it no invaders no aliens no asteroids coming to destroy us just People who have been given a gift. And so, Christian, my opening question to you, which I think would inform how you feel about the rest of the movie, is this. How did you feel about the use of science fiction in fast color? Did it did its spare nature work for you? Did you wish they had doubled down on it? Or were you contented after last week's big disaster ending of Deep Impact? I was not the biggest fan. And and it, it it's weird for me to say that because I it's it's not a terrible movie it is not and the performances are solid but me it, it's like it, it's uh, the directing is very interesting the script and what it did with science fiction I don't think was there in hitting the notes it needed to hit because it was so didactic and yet at the same time revealed nothing interesting. I didn't find it particularly didactic. So Every I'm... time a character spoke, they had like this big monologue that was supposed to be expository, and yet we didn't see any of those revelations present in their character development. The dialogue was 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 not there. It, it, it was so bland. Okay. Well, I, I'm curious... <sighs> I think we'll get there because I want to talk about the way they use science fiction. But in this no, movie. but that's what I'm talking about. Though the didactic nature of it is supposed to explain some of the aspects of science fiction, and the thing is, the concept. If we're talking about the story and not necessarily the script itself, the concept is interesting. That there are several people who have these powers that they've had them before, and a premise of the movie is that the Earth is dying, and these people with these powers are are some who can help foster the change. That will, I don't know if it save the earth or bring in the new age for humanity to continue its survival. Am I correct? Uh, I think yes, <laughs> but I, I think that's also left a little bit unclear. That's the thing. 
And that's where I'm not a fan of it, not because I'm not a fan of the concept, but because I'm not a fan of what they did with the concept, which I, it's like a yes and no to your question. Then I don't think the writing did justice with the concept. And because of that, I'm not a fan of the concept. Okay. So unfortunately working backwards where you were intrigued and then what you got wasn't satisfying. And so it kind of soured the concept for you. Yes. Okay. Well, speaking of the concept, in case, I know for some folks who probably don't watch every movie that we get into, so we'll warn you when there's spoilers, but the story of Fast Color follows Ruth, which who is played by Gugu Mbatha-Ra. Ruth has seizures that we are allowed to believe are some type of superpower of some sort, but she has seizures that literally cause earthquakes wherever she is, and so she returns home to her mother, who is Bonnie or Bo, and... Ruth's daughter, who is Lila. And we find out that the family has this this superpowered gift. So while Ruth has these earthquake-inducing seizures, her mother and daughter have the ability to essentially pull an object apart down to little colory dots, but essentially down to the molecules. And and it becomes dust, and then they can rebuild things, with the one limit being they cannot take something broken and put it back together. Only things that they have they have taken apart, they can restore. So we have this family coming back together. And of course, there are some, some nefarious scientists who are after Ruth. And so the family tries to keep it on the DL, stick together and, and help Ruth get through this seizure problem. But here, okay, here's the thing. What I've read about this movie is that many individuals were were happy with the different take that this took on the science fiction genre. But I'm actually not sure it's that different from other superhero films or other supernatural films where you have the weird powers that someone has that they try to hide because if they don't hide it, then a scientist is going to come and take them away and do experiments on <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, that's, that's pretty common. <laughs> like, that's all X-Men movies. <laughs> And so I'm, I'm I'm not sure what they mean by they like the fresh take. I don't think this was that fresh of a take. I think the the freshness of the take is that so many of these superhero movies that we've been getting for the last 20 years are these huge action movies where you have cities being destroyed or aliens being defeated or Thanos being stopped. And Fast Color contains it to a few humans in this tiny Midwestern town. And the atmosphere we, we is got, what I would call the fresh take. Not necessarily We the got Logan two years before themselves. this movie, though. It's a big action movie. <laughs> Lo- <laughs> Logan is not as big an action movie as many others. Sure. Logan actually matches... A... No, Logan matches the quietness of this movie. I, I don't know. I, I just think it's hard to say that a big... I know it's not MCU, but a big Marvel superhero movie matches the tone and atmosphere of a movie like Fast Color. It... Which, it, Which is why people liked Logan, though. I know. And I, I mean, I loved Logan. and But what it it's still a big Marvel movie. Even though, even though it is a little bit more pared down and there's not giant fights that destroy cities, there's still a ton of action, a ton of effects, and all okay. of this. I, I just mean but that here's like, the thing, these though. are very if, different types of movies. It's like an indie movie Julia, versus a studio movie. But if Julia Hart had gotten more money, she would have made something akin to Logan. Not akin to an MCU movie, but something akin to Logan. Why do you say that? Because it's the direction where it was heading. 
bigger fights, bigger, maybe even bigger uses of um, their color, uh, the, the color power and what it can do, actual confrontations, like you saw where the limitations were. Now, again, this is me putting words in someone else's mouth. Maybe Julia Hart yeah. would have done exactly the same thing that she had done now. But if you imagine this movie with a bigger script, it, it I don't think it becomes the revelation of superhero movies because it's following all the very similar tropes and the things that I enjoy about it are not the concept or originality of the concept. Okay. I, I guess I see what you're saying, especially in some of the things about scientists trying to take them. And of course they save the day at the end. The other piece of this sci-fi being somewhat of a, not post-apocalyptic, but definitely like slightly dystopian where we're told at the beginning that it hasn't rained in like eight years and there's the stores have very little things to buy and people literally have to buy containers of water and they have to ration it out for their meals and baths and everything. So there is this also light sci-fi atmosphere to go with it. And even that is a, is a little familiar, especially as we've seen so many of the young adult book adaptations <laughs> in dystopian sci-fi land. And so I think what the, the freshness of Fast Color is in its characters, in its atmosphere, and its tone, which are... I understand if you had a problem with the writing, you might have a problem with the characters, too. I, but... the, actually, I quite enjoyed the characters. Okay, there we go. Common ground. And that's, the, that's where I enjoyed I liked... Ruth's story. I liked the grandma mother daughter relationship that was going on. I liked this idea of generations of women who write in this book. I liked the David Strathairn character and even the um the the weird kind of hint that the white father would be the one who could live in town, but the black mother had to be the one to go into hiding. It's it felt very grounded. The characters felt very grounded. Yeah, I think... I mean, for me, the, and we're talking about the freshness in comparison to other superhero movies and things, I think what's so cool about this movie is that family at the center, where you have these three generations of women, all of whom have superpowers and are trying to learn how to use them. And you see they come from this, this long line. As you mentioned, there's this book in the movie that... Uh, Bonnie shows to Ruth and it's essentially diary entries from generations of the women in their family who have all had this gift and you see the ways that the kind of I guess the I don't they don't go deep into the family trauma necessarily but the ways that these gifts have been passed down and how there is this idea for the family that they have to be secluded they have to live off and stay hidden because of course somebody always comes for them and that's the the meaning the scientists or, or someone else looking to exploit them and so you have the different responses where there's also always the the rebellion where for bonnie she was told she couldn't go out but she still snuck her way into town and that's how she met dean who's david straight there character who we find out is ruth's father we have Ruth, who runs away from home and lives years on on the lamb, essentially, her daughter being raised by her grandma. And now Lila, the youngest one, who wants to escape, wants to get out, wants to get away because she hates living on her own. You see the ways that this, 
this family at the center has been affected by having the gift and not necessarily thinking about how to use it or how to, I guess, bless the world with it because they also have been used. But, but I, 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 uh, they don't go into that that much. And that is the flaw of this movie. You, in, in their didactic nature, and Bo gets these long monologues about what the women in their family have done, it's saying so many words without actually saying anything at all. So I guess, what do, what do you mean when you say without saying anything at all? Because I, I know there are, there are certainly some monologues in this movie, but it's, it's not like it's, speechifying. It's, it's though actually a little bit. It, it's what you always accuse me of not caring about, which is like where I needed a show, not a tell. <laughs> I don't accuse you of, of caring yes, too much about Yes, you do. You're a very hateful, bitter man. I am. What? <laughs> and so the dialogue in this movie is not adding to the visuals that we can see. I totally... Look, Show Don't Tell is a classic lesson of cinema. I am on board with the concept. <laughs> so I guess I don't know what you mean when you when you say that they are All telling that show. All the monologues of, of... But also, of, let, me, let me step of, back. Wait, of Ruth and her uh, drug abuse. Of Ruth and why she had to leave her daughter. We don't get glimpses of her character really getting or or, or the um, character development of what it means to come back to see her daughter or what it meant for her to have suffered from um, that addiction. We just get statements that say that she did, but we don't see the emotional responses in her. And I didn't need flashbacks necessarily, but I don't I don't see how what they're telling me is actually adding to who they are. Well, the flashbacks are important because of the way they connect to the ending. And so I'm not sure what, why you didn't like the flashback. No, but no, also, no, no, I feel no, like no, there's no. a balance. Wait, which flashbacks? Where she's flashing back to the pipe breaking and the water spilling out. Okay, yeah, no, no, no. I'm sitting. I'm, I'm not meant. I'm not referring to this. Okay. I'm saying I didn't necessarily need a flashback to her when she was suffering from her addiction, but I needed something else that showed that in her character. Besides, she gave a very strong performance. It's just that I, I, I needed the rest of the movie to flesh her out, and they, it, it didn't. I and so I mean, a, a detail worth mentioning is she's coming into this movie sober. She's been off the drug she was addicted to for almost a year, we find out. And so she's not necessarily still, you know, wrestling with the addiction. She's a little more, in, she's more in control now. And she's come home to help learn how to use her powers and hopefully rediscover the gift of pulling things apart and putting them back together. And so I would understand they didn't, if they didn't want to dive into the drug aspect of it. And I think there's a lot there of her relationship with Lila because they obviously have not seen each other since Lila was a baby. Lila's been raised by her grandmother. And so they have a few scenes of them of them connecting, talking through the records that they that Lila or Ruth found that her mother had been storing. And you have them talking about she I guess Lila's very important to her and we see that in the way that she uses her powers throughout the movie as well. And so that is where the show came for me, especially in connection to her powers. And they had a few scenes along the way where they got to be just the two of them, or it's just the family unit. Is that landing anywhere with you? No. Well, I guess... Because the only thing I got was the strength of the performance. It didn't get a script or directorially, or directorially maybe somewhat... Do you get what I'm saying? That the atmosphere isn't fleshed out, writing-wise, which is affecting the rest of the movie. So, this... So, I guess... 
A common critique of Fast Color that I saw, and I, I didn't read any full-length reviews before our episode, but some of the blurbs that I saw were people who didn't like the execution, basically. They didn't like where this movie landed, and but they liked the build-up. They just didn't like how it, how it ended. Is that where you would say you feel? Because for me, the atmosphere totally works. I actually liked the ending of it more than I liked the build-up. I liked it when they finally kind of let loose with their powers because it felt as though that was the only time we saw, a, I don't know, full emotions. When she looks up at the sky at the end, that's beautiful and you can see it on her face and you can see it through the writing and through the visuals. Okay, this is what the joint combination of her her past trauma, her current situation, and her powers leads up to. When Bo stares down all the security officers, you can see her, her past trauma, her powers, her situation, what those are doing. Before that, the buildup actually, to me, doesn't build anything up. Interesting. I'm laughing because I just did that sound that you say I make too much and you have to edit it out. You've but... done it so many times this episode alone. <laughs> I'll be more conscious of it. I I guess I could understand how... I guess I could understand why you didn't like the build-up. And certainly they could have focused more on the family. And, let and the, the dialogue. Let the, but I didn't have any problems with the dialogue. And I, I'm, not, I'm not the writer that you are, I understand that. So I don't always key in to dialogue, unless it's especially bad, where I can easily pick up on it. But I guess I didn't really have any problems with the dialogue, and I, I felt there were some good lines, and especially this, this idea that they're talking about, or I, I, forget, I forget the specific line, but they say what... It's, it's the rule for their powers. It's something that is broken is meant to be broken, and that becomes okay. kind of a theme for the movie. Because obviously we're dealing with Don't these Don't you think people. it's a little too on the nose? Which is, I think, another critique I had on this movie, that some of the things that they said were a little too on the nose. I don't think it... I, I know it is on the nose. It's announcing the theme, obviously. But I didn't think it was too on the nose. I thought it was fine. They, they had to communicate that concept, and it put words to something that I... I'm dumb. I might not have picked up on it. And they had the, the this bowl that keeps being used in this movie that was broken and glued back together but not restored with superpowers that is also the image for that theme and i i don't know that line worked for me i thought it was effective you feel like they can tear apart human beings i so we'll talk about the ending a little bit but we do see at the end some some bad guys who've got guns and Bo uses her power to disintegrate the guns, and for a very real second, I forgot what movie I was watching. I thought she was gonna like get rid of all the dudes, <laughs> and then I remembered she's a good person, not a crazy sociopath, and this is not a hyper violent movie. So I, re- I remembered what she would. I noticed what she would probably do, but I like to think that they could do that. Maybe it wouldn't be that violent if she just like turned them to dust. But I don't think she... more horrifying than violence. I don't think she could put them back together. Though. I was going to say, what happens to the, their soul and their consciousness if they become disintegrated? Oh, I would love this movie to answer that question. <laughs> Maybe the TV series can get into that. So, I guess, let's let's get to the ending. 
Obviously, we've, we've talked a little bit about it, so more spoilers from here on out if you haven't yet checked out the movie, which I would encourage you to do. Christian, sounds like we'll, I'll ask your final thoughts later. But we do get to the ending, and there is an amazing scene that's not... It's right before the ending, essentially, where Ruth is leaving the family. She decides she needs to get out of there because the scientists are going to come for her, and she can't put them in danger. She has a seizure, and she falls to the ground at that moment. She has this... We've been seeing flashes of a flashback, and now we see the full sequence where she had a seizure when she was a new mom, and Lila almost drowned because she caused a pipe to burst and water to fill in this room. And essentially, she moves through the the trauma of that of, the, of endangering her daughter, gets control over her seizure, and all of a sudden causes the clouds to come in. Instead of causing the earth to shake, she causes the sky to move with her power, where she pulls the clouds together essentially. And there's this amazing sequence of her finally smiling. She's barely smiled this whole movie. Obviously a person with a lot of hard things in her life. She's just full of joy, running back to the truck so she can go back to the family. Now that she knows her powers are back, she wants to help them. And we see these colors coming through, which came up earlier in the movie. Bo and Lila, when they pull things apart and put them back together, they say that they can see colors, essentially. And it's... Yeah, what does that mean? It creates this warm feeling. No, 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 that means nothing. Oh, we, uh, them seeing colors has no meaning to me because they didn't explain it, and they're. Ex- but it's it's literally shown. It doesn't have to be explained. But no, but when you, tearing apart. No, but they said other people can't see it. So when you tear something apart, people, what are people seeing? They're they're seeing the the dust essentially. The colors are the thing that only they can see. What's the color then? I it it's. You don't know either. The color is the, I would say, the sense, the rush and the, sens- the sensation that comes from... So it's the essence of the thing. Putting the essence of the thing. Of putting the object back together. And I don't know, we don't see it through Lila. What color are eyes. you? I don't know. I don't have these powers, but I thought it was what awesome. What color am I? I don't know, Christian. Take it... something apart with your mind and put it back together and tell me. The point is that they see colors when they restore these objects and it to but me why is that important because it's it's like the they ask lila it's the it, essence of the thing is they, the closest i can come to understand they this. ask lila what it, what it, what does it feel like to put something back together and she says it feels warm it's this happy feeling of and i took that to mean this the warmth of putting something back together and again that's a little on the nose maybe but that's what Ruth's journey is in this movie. She is being put back together with her family. The family is being put back together now that Ruth is home. And so the breakthrough of Ruth getting to use the power to, to pull clouds together as opposed to have a seizure that shakes the earth, there's this huge rush of color that we see that she is experiencing. And it's visually exciting for us, but it also resonated with me. It was like her becoming restored, essentially finally working through and healing from her trauma which it's a movie so i'm not gonna (laughs) ask it to be 100 percent clear and scientific about how people move through trauma but that's what it meant to me did you not like that scene we'll get to the actual ending i did enjoy it okay so even if you don't fully get the colors you're with me in that it's a a good moment within the movie sure okay great (laughs) so we get to the ending the bad guys have lila they're gonna study her and so Ruth and Bo go into town, and Ruth makes it rain, and people are like, oh my gosh, there's rain in this drought-ridden town. 
And Bo stands up to the bad guys, disintegrates their guns, offers herself and says, hey, ask me questions, study me, we'll figure this out. And she tells Ruth and Lila to get in their truck and go and see the world. So, again, we talked about some people didn't like the execution of this movie. What did you make of the ending? There's also a, a note. I enjoyed it. That comes into play, which we can talk about. But... I, I did not like the note. <laughs> I did not like the note because the words on the note are so cheesy. They are so... <laughs> Yeah, they're juicy. Uh, and the, the, uh, but the, 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 the rest of the ending. <laughs> the, the rest of the, especially Bo. I thought Bo rocked that ending. And just the way that she looked at these cops, the way that um, you were able to see, again, the strength is the performances of the main three actresses. Just that did come through, and I felt a sense of closure. I thought the ending was great, and I... And something we haven't talked about throughout, but that I will mention, the use of CGI, the use of visual effects is incredible to me in the way that they do present the breaking apart and the reconstruction of all of these different things. I thought it really, I, I, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was definitely one of the strengths of this film. The first time that we see it, it's not till probably 20, 15, 20 minutes into the movie, because obviously Ruth has these seizures. Not yet the power to put things back together. But we see Bo light up a cigarette, and then while it's burning, she disintegrates it and swirls it around. And it, when they first use it effect, I my eyes widened a little bit because it was so cool to me, so inventive even. And we're talking about superpowers and superheroes. I thought the, the powers specifically were also pretty unique. I'm sure there are Marvel and DC heroes who can disintegrate stuff, but I thought that was also pretty cool and tied into the themes as well but at the end definitely a great send-off for for boa and we we mentioned earlier she's played by lorraine tucson who's a longtime actor just giving an incredible performance throughout this movie as the matriarch of this family and now we have the family restored grandma gives herself up for mother and daughter and they can leave and we get this note <laughs> that means and on the note it describes this woman who Ruth thought was only a story that her mother had told her. The woman from the story is real. Of course, she has the powers that they have, and they should go find her, because there are others. Yay! Roll credits. It, it told her to go to Rome? Go to Rome! Okay, okay. <laughs> First of all, those are terrible directions. Rome is a big city. It's a giant city. It just said, go to Rome? And find the woman with superpowers who is in hiding. How's she gonna do that? Where, like, where's the woman who's just in Cleveland or something that has these powers? Or in Dallas? <laughs> Why do they have to go to Rome? Like, there's no specifications. It's just like, go to Rome. <laughs> so I think I assume that's where the TV series will go. I don't know if it will be... Okay, I, I, I will say this though, and this did irk me a little bit. Where, where are we now? We're in rural someplace? Uh, I thought it was maybe Texas or Oklahoma. On, where in, I was on Wikipedia, it said the Midwest. So We're in middle of nowhere, rural, dust America. basin yes. America. Yes. And Rome is, 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 from what I understand, a very metropolitan city. Indeed it is. That struck me as like a, how this word isn't fitting in with the world that we have just inhabited. Rome is not where this movie takes place. 
And so in my my mind had kind of like a culture clash of, a, of a, <laughs> how are we going to, are there still people? That, it makes it seem like most areas are deserted. We also don't clarify whether this is a a drought that is affecting this region or the whole country or the whole world. We don't find that out. So that is one aspect of the of the sci-fi of it all that I wish had been explained a teensy bit more. But you do re- you do realize, folks, that Rome, like you're saying, is extremely different <laughs> from this. It's called Garrison. That's all we know. We don't know what state it is. It's very different from Garrison. So I'm curious. I think the TV show could be really cool depending on where they go with it. And especially if it is not just a big action story. It's picking up on more of these threads of a family and passing down of gifts and broken people trying to heal. I think it could be really cool if it's a superhero show. It's about that and not about big violent showdowns with e- with evil. But we'll see. Yeah. Viola Davis is working on the production. She knows what she's doing when it comes to making good movies and TV, so we'll see. I mean, she's one of my favorite actresses ever. There you go. Christian, do you have any final thoughts on Fast Color? I know it I don't hate this movie. You don't hate this movie. That's it. <laughs> I know it didn't fully work for you, and I will say, this is not a movie that I went head over heels for, but I, I really liked Julia Hart's movie that it wasn't the follow-up to this one she had one in between but i'm your woman from last year i would probably prefer i'm your woman and it seems like i haven't seen miss stevens so i can't say but maybe julia hart is someone who obviously gets better as she goes on which is great because it means that the more stuff she gets to make the better it's going to be hopefully and fast color is only a small step down for me compared to i'm your woman i thought it was really good and i'm with you that the performances are awesome i wish maybe there had been a little bit more attention to detail and some of the the, the world building, I guess, which can be an ugly word, <laughs> but, and I don't know. I, I didn't have many problems with the execution. I thought we landed in a good spot, but definitely one that I would recommend. Would you recommend this to people? You know, I know that not hating it is sometimes a weird, it's some not Some people, I wouldn't so. recommend it to everyone. I okay. recommend it to some people. Well, hey, if you're a listener of the Cinema Drip podcast, we would most definitely recommend it to you. So you can stick with us on this. It's this, on Hulu. There you go. It's on Hulu. This women of sci-fi blend of the month that we're looking at. This brings us to our third and final movie for women of sci-fi month. We started with Deep Impact. If you didn't check that out, it is on Peacock for free with ads. Now we have Fast Color, which is available on Hulu if you have a subscription there. And now we get to a new release, and that movie is Reminiscence. And if you are listening to this podcast on the day that it comes out, Reminiscence will be out as well. So heck, you might have already listened or watched it, and you'll have some, you'll have plenty of thoughts to bring to our episode of it next week. But we'll be looking at Reminiscence the week after its release, and it is written and directed by Lisa Joy, starring Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson. And Christian, you are not excited about this movie. <laughs> I I am cautiously optimistic. I can see a world where reminiscence is a trash fire, and I can see a world where it is it's really, really good and kind of fun, twisty sci-fi story. So I'm holding out hope for it. Maybe you can take it in with some friends and, and they will they will like it as well. So folks, if you're trying to follow along, our third film for this Women of Sci-Fi Blood of the Month will be Reminiscence. It's hitting HBO Max and going to theaters the day that this episode comes out, August the 20th. So check it out, and we'll have a discussion for it next week. And that is our show. 
If you've made it this far in the podcast, we do sincerely thank you for listening. Christian and I love to watch these movies and record the show and have our discussions out there for you to listen, and it means a lot that there are folks following along with our discussions and our blends of the month, so thank you for listening. If you wouldn't mind, there are a few things you can do to support the podcast as we try to help it grow. Number one, you can give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Helps us reach new listeners there, and we always read our reviews live on the air, so if you want to get a shout-out, feel free to drop a review. You can also subscribe or rate wherever you get your podcasts. We are widely available. Next thing you can do is you can also send us an email at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. We love to get listener feedback. We've incorporated listener feedback onto the show. We've had listeners come onto the show and join in blends of the month or recommendations episodes. So please do hit us up there at our email. It is cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. We also read those live on air. So hey. Send us an email, you get a shout-out. The last thing you can do, of course, is support us on social media. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter as well as the show, and Christian and I are both on Letterboxd, where we are rating and reviewing the things that we're watching. It was a few weeks late, but I finally dropped a one-star review for Space Jam A New Legacy, which was a major letdown. Christian, did you watch anything recently that was not a major letdown? (laughs) I thought that Kissing Booth 3 would be terrible, and it met my expectations and exceeded them. Oh, so it was so it was worse than you <laughs> thought it would be. <laughs> maybe, maybe don't check out the Kissing Booth movies, folks. Unless you're looking for a nice trash watch, in which case... The first one can be a guilty pleasure watch. After the first one, there's no excuse for you. <laughs> you just hate yourself. Uh, outside, speaking of guilty pleasure watches, this weekend I took in a couple of viewings of a little movie and a little sequel called Transformers and Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. I, I was very in touch with my middle school self while I was sitting there watching those movies by my lonesome. <laughs> they hold up, um, which is a weird thing to say <laughs> because they are not widely beloved, but they hold up to my nostalgia, which is all they're good for in my mind anyway. Did I hit all the things? You need to watch Nine Days. I do need to watch Nine Days. If you're now listening at the very end, thanks for being you. Christian really liked Nine Days, which is in theaters. We're not discussing it on this show, but I, based on his reaction and vision, it will come up on an end-of-the-year show about the best of the year. So go check out Nine Days at your local cinemas before more COVID searches get, surges get them shut down again. Christian, any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? If you don't watch Nine Days by next week... Is it to me or the listeners? Oh, you... Not the listeners. Look okay. the listeners. So, listeners, report it to the LAPD. Reminiscence has no jurisdiction. <laughs> oh, boy. Reminiscence coming next week. Check it out on HBO Max or in theaters. Until then, I'm Scott. He's Christian. This has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.